Hey, this is Ben with Blue Ribbon Coalition. I am here in the the storied UTV yes. Utah garage. This is where all of the the best toys are yeah, in the, the state of Utah. The, the Bud Bruning is here with me, and he sets the standard on if you want to have a really cool UTV that has all the upgrades. We try. This one's this one has heat and AC, the whole work. So it's a we're a little bit spoiled nowadays. And probably less dust. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm here with Bud. And we want to talk a little bit about a legal settlement we're in with SUA and the BLM. There's a bunch of areas. Hey, bud, like, where are some of your favorite places to ride in this state? So I, I, I cover a lot, a lot of ground. Today we're headed down to, you know, kind of central Utah, Mar Marysville. Um, I love to ride Green River, Marysville, Sand Hollow, Vernal. Uh, the Paiute Trail, the Arapine, the San Rafael Swell. I mean, it really, I, we try to go somewhere different every, every weekend. And I'll be honest with you, that there's no one specific place that I enjoy. I think that's what I love about Utah is the fact that we have places that are so vastly different. Mountains, desert, sand dunes. Um, but a lot of these places been and are in, in, in jeopardy, whether it's through camping, whether it's through trail closures, why don't you kind of tell us more about about that? Because yeah, no, I wanted you to everywhere. explain everywhere you go because I I see I follow UTV you talk closely and I see what you live. Is yeah. everybody's everywhere and I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, there are so many cool places to explore in this state, but let me tell you on this legal case with Sua, what's at stake? You have areas near Moab. This is Canyon Rims, the Dolores river canyon kind of out there by the colorado state line you have gemini bridges and labyrinth rims some of the most popular atv yep. trails on the planet uh you have the san rafael desert which is across the green river from where you'd be riding around in moab south of the town of green river which is different than the san rafael swell which is another huge hot spot destination for off-road recreation we have the henry mountains area is being looked at in this legal case and everything that's part of the richfield field office so anything flint trail anything out there where the Poison Springs is, Henry Mountains, all of that is going through, is part of this travel management settlement. Uh, we also have down by Kanab, we have the Ponsagun area, and we have Trail Canyon, which is north of the Coral Pink Sand Dunes. And so this legal challenge, we call it the 10,000 plus project because it really does, is going to impact 10,000 or more miles of roads and trails throughout some of our best riding areas in the state of Utah. It's a case that's been going on since 2008 uh, with the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. They've been trying to get as many of these roads closed as possible, mostly because they can't create wilderness, which is what they exist for, um, in areas where there are a lot of roads, because roads count as disturbances and you can't have that kind of human-made disturbance in a wilderness area. So they want to close all the roads first and then they can turn it into wilderness and then just make it open to the few people who can go in by foot. And we know, because we're out there all the time, that there are a huge amount of roads out there. there re we want them to continue to exist because they lead to amazing areas and let you explore endlessly this state. You could spend every waking second of your life exploring this state and still only see a fraction of it. And, oh, and I left out, we also have the Book Cliffs and Dinosaur North by Vernal. Yep. We have Nine Mile Canyon. We have, like, all of these areas are in flux because of this lawsuit and 
Um, so I'm just curious, but I mean, I put out a decent amount of information. Yeah. How much do you already know about this lawsuit? Um, I, I honestly, I, I would be lying if I told you I knew everything. I, uh, I follow what what you you post, and Ben, you're kind of like our boots on the ground as far as knowing what's coming down the pipeline. And so I rely on you very heavily. I don't know very much much about it. And if I don't, I can assure you our, our members don't. Yeah, and that's the hard part is because these legal things get really complicated. And we're talking about 13 areas, 10,000 miles of trails. Wow. Uh, it's hard to update you on everything that's possibly going on there. But I'm committed to do as much of that as I can. Um, and so I need everybody to sign up to be a member of the 10,000 plus project because that's where we'll give you the kind of more detailed on the ground information. If you sign up for that, that's a signal to me that you want to know more because this does get kind of extensive to explain what's going on and it's, but it really is important. Um, one of the first areas, Bud, that we saw get completed as part of the settlement, the settlement required the BLM to look at all these roads and trails again. So the BLM's trying to do that. Uh, the San Rafael Desert was the first area that got completed and I, when I first looked at that, I'm like, oh, this area, it doesn't seem to be a destination location for a lot of the ATV stuff at the time. This was a few years ago. Uh, but since then, that's changed. Um, you guys have done some rides around Green River, we have. right? Yep, we've done several rides. And I know um, the, the county tourism um, for any of those areas will tell you that participation and activity is up in those, uh, those areas. Uh, we, we do a ride there once a year in Green River. It's an awesome ride. I know they have uh, many other events and, and that include OHVs in those areas. So I know they are more and more popular. Yeah. And so if you went on the watermelon crawl and you went down into the San Rafael Desert, that would be this area south of Green River. And there's a lot of cool stuff down there, a lot of cool geysers, a lot of great geology. You get in close to the Green River. Um, and there's some cherry stem roads there that we fought to yep. keep open when they were passing that Dingle Act. Um, some really cool areas, a really great place to explore, and it kind of is unexplored. There aren't um, as many people there when I've been there. And part of that's also because because of this legal settlement, it hasn't been clear what's open, what's not. If you look at the apps like Onyx or Polaris Ride, yep. mean, a lot of times there will be gaps of what trails, and so that kind of deters people from visiting there. And that uncertainty is a result of these legal cases, and that's what's been frustrating for us is because the BLM did decide to open a lot of trails in that area. Mm -hmm. uh, we had volunteer groups that volunteered to come and put up signs and help maintain and kind of signal which routes were open in that area. And with less than 24 hours notice before they had uh, dozens of volunteers coming down to do that work, they were told they couldn't do it and they had to cancel their volunteer event. Um, and so it's just BLM's made it really hard for us to know what's open and what's not in that area because they're scared of their own shadow because they're worried they'll get sued by SUA. Yep. Uh, and in that environment, SUA challenged the BLM's plan that they released. And we intervened, uh, and we intervened along with Colorado TPA and Ride With Respect, the state of Utah, Emory County. Like everybody was like, look, we just want certainty here. The plan you guys chose is we'll live with it. It didn't, it closed a lot of stuff it still. Did. Like, yeah, I, it did. And, but it still was, in the BLM's terms, the most OHV friendly plan based on what the BLM standard of OHV friendly is. Uh, and so we were willing to say, look, we'll let this go. Let's just see how this process plays out. Let's implement this. And then if we decide we want to open more, we'll use regulatory processes to do that. 
and SUA challenged it. They wanted to stay of the decision, tell the BLM, stop, you can't implement this. And the, and, and the administrative judge said to SUA, no, forget it. Um, we're get this, the BLM did their work here. They, we're going to let this plan go into effect. Um, so then SUA withdrew their what's called an administrative appeal and then sued to federal court, which is kind of like taking it to the next level. And, and that's where it sat for a year, at least. And so we were waiting for SUA to do their original their initial complaint of why they think the BLM screwed up here and they kept delaying the deadlines kept delaying the deadlines reviewing the administrative record doing all the things they do uh, and in the meantime there was stuff going on yeah in, in the meantime in we had an election um, we saw some of the folks who had been the head counsel for like the wilderness society get appointed to high levels of the BLM and then we started seeing and then in hindsight, what we know has happened now is that, that we saw things were getting steered behind the scenes. And so while we're waiting for the complaint to come out so we can respond to it, we get this notice in January of this year that the BLM was going to close through what's called a categorical exclusion, meaning no public comment, no review by anybody. They're just going to close some roads. Kind of think of it like an emergency closure. And they're going to close 35 miles of roads and trails in this desert uh, the San Rafael Desert area, and they didn't notify us. Like, we're here, we are parties to this legal challenge. This is material to this case, and they sneak it through on the website. Luckily, folks in the state caught wind of it and let us know what was going on. Uh, and they closed 35 miles of roads and trail out there. So, we read the closure order, which means if you go ride on these trails, it's a penalty, like fines, whatever. And we're like, okay, well, how should these have been closed first of all yeah. uh, we just analyzed all of these in the previous public process to see what should be left open or not and what they were claiming is that these roads didn't exist anymore and they've reclaimed meaning bushes and plants and things have taken over the roads and they don't exist and so if you were to go ride on the road it would cause emergency OHV damage to the road and that's where this just falls apart to me Like I, an OHV can't damage an OHV route yeah, like if you're the, staying on the it, road, just by using the, it, that's yeah. the purpose of the OHV route is to be used by OHVs. But that's what they were claiming is they had to prevent OHV damage to OHV routes. And so we went out there to see, well, is, it, is this true? Are these routes reclaiming? And uh, it turns out that the BLM's field work that they used wasn't complete. Uh, we were able to go find uh, several of these routes. They were there. You can see them from space on the satellites. And so. We have serious questions about the validity of their field work. And if you look at their own field work, there's a picture and I'll overlay it over this video where you have two routes diverging and the BLM closed one of them because it was not apparent on the ground and it didn't exist and was fully reclaimed by the desert. And another one that was left open because it was an apparent OHV route. And the two routes look the exact same as far as the condition goes. And so we challenged this. Uh, that was about two weeks ago that we filed our challenge to this plan. We're still waiting to hear back what happens with the administrative law judge. It, uh, most, even SUA, uh, like everybody loses administrative appeals like this 95% of the time. It doesn't matter who you are because they're kind of rigged courts, but you never know. In this case, I think the BLM really, I think they were taking political direction. I don't think they were looking at the evidence on the ground and they closed these 35 miles of routes and then the then the day after the 30-day window appeal deadline for those categorical exclusion closures happened, and sorry, this sounds like so boring. When no, that's it. that's good information. Uh, we got a notice that the BLM was entering into a legal settlement with SUA, 
that would require them to look at up to almost 200 miles of routes again. And so that's going to be a process where we're going to need everybody's help um, to go out and ground truth what these trails are and uh, confirm whether these trails exist and whether that's something we want to use. And so we will get a public process on this again, but it just at this point is exhausting. It's just this never-ending process where we never can know what's open and what's not yeah. in an area. And this was the first one, and there's 12 more to go still. Wow. And so we're going to see the same process play out in the San Rafael Swell, in Trail Canyon, in the Ponsonville area, in the Henry Mountains, in the Book Cliffs, in multiple areas around Moab. And, and it's really, really important that the... UTV Utah community understands that one of the winning arguments that SUA is making is that the trails aren't being used, yeah. that they're reclaiming and that they're not apparent on the ground. And so we have to be careful because we don't want to be using closed trails. Yeah. But And we'll try to share really good information with you, at least the best that we can find to let you know what you can use. But once they release these plans, once they're open for comment, periods we have like a 30-day window to go out and take pictures document use these trails and go out and plan an excursion it should be fun like this is a fun form of advocacy uh, it's actually going out and living the life of why you buy these expensive yep. machines um, but we might have to ask you instead of going on the the top 10 bucket list trail in moab we might want you to go explore something that doesn't get explored very yep. often so, so you'll be looking you'll be exploring new things um, and so just plan on that when we release these things. If you become a member of the 10,000 plus project, we'll let you know when those happen because they, they come and go. And once they come, you have a short window. To so tell us there. more about becoming a member of the 10,000 plus project. Yeah, so we have on our sharetrails.org website, we have a link to this and I can put a link in comments wherever we post this. I'll try to get you a link. Some of the platforms nowadays like Instagram and TikTok make it hard to do the links. But if yep. you go to sharetrails.org and look for the 10,000 plus project, you'll find it. If you look at our Facebook page, you'll see updates about this. And we actually created like a $5 a month membership for cool. this. I, don't, I, I want the numbers here. I want to know that we've got the full backing of the ATV community, UTV community. And so for $5 a month, you become a subscribing member. We'll keep you updated on what's going on. That $5 a month goes straight into a war chest we're building just for the legal work on this case against cool. SUA. So if you, if you want to push back against the work SUA is doing to close your roads, this is one of the best ways to do it. Cool. Uh, we are going the distance on every single iteration of the, when these plans are moving forward through the BLM. We're tracking every single one of them. Uh, and we do have partners on several, uh, especially the ones around Moab. You'll see a lot of people get involved in those. Yep. Um, these other ones around the state, like the Book Cliffs and the Pontagon area, the Trail Canyon, like I'm not seeing as much activity from the other groups that are, are partnered with us on these. And so we definitely need everyone's support on cool. this. If I had a small fraction of the UTV Utah community doing five bucks a month to be a member of this, it's all I'd need. Yeah. It's like, it's, we can do the work. We can hold our own against SUA and these things. And if we, and it'll, how this plays out will change with different judges, with different administrations. It's going to be a five year, potentially 10 year fight the pace things are going. Yep. Um, but it is one of those that will determine a lot of what is available for you to explore once we're done. Well, and I think from UTV Utah's point of view, we are, we are all in. We're, we're committed. Um, a lot of the places you just mentioned, 
the Book Cliffs, uh, Pont Scott down around Kanab, the Sanderfeld Desert. Uh, all these areas are are places that our members enjoy. Uh, and I know as an end user, um, a lot of the mentality is if there is an area that's in question um, of what's legal or not legal, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to go out and drive a trail and, and be somewhere where I'm going to be ticketed. But I think what we need what we need to do and what we'll, we'll do a better job is letting people know, hey, this area is open, these are the trails, and some of these trails are being closed because they are not being used. Where the is, BLM doesn't know what's there. And I like if I was to show you Sua's field work, they'll go out and document and take a picture and say, oh, there's there's bushes growing in this trail. It doesn't exist anymore. And and I've walked a lot of these trails, and, it's, and there are places where that might be true, where for a small portion, maybe 10, 20, 30 yards. You know they take a picture of like the and least travel. Yeah, and it's like a wash, yeah. so the yeah. trail's washed out, because you get a flash flood, and look at what's happening in Capitol Reef yeah. yesterday. Like, exactly. Oh, like, these deserts can ago, you know? wash things away pretty quick, but you kind of know where the footprint of that trail is going to cut through that wash, and you can usually see where it's coming out the other side. And it's hardly a justification to close the whole trail. It is a justification for the BLM and the counties to go and maintain and mark and sign what's yep. there so that we know how to follow the rules. That would be an appropriate management approach to keeping the areas open. And the counties do want these areas open. Uh, and the state and the county, they've been really helpful allies on this. They're committed to keeping these areas open. They've been involved in the legal actions as well. And that's where in addition to becoming a $5 a month member of Blue Ribbon Coalition's 10,000 plus project. If you are in Utah, you should build a good relationship with your elected representatives, your county commissioners, your state legislators. Let them know this is important to you and that you support the state's work in this so that we, the state continues to be a strong ally. And that is where I think our community has a lot of strength and we should protect that. Uh, and so, and it's going to be important in this fight because it's long term. The state's there. The state's legal challenges to these are always incredibly strong because they have a different form of legal interest and standing than we the recreation users have they're all right. important but it, we want them to be part of the equation and so uh, i know utv utah members are great at that yes. piece as well and you need to continue to keeping up that work i think from a utah utv utah standpoint ben i will i know we talked about it previously to the video and i, I would love we're going to figure out a way that uh, we'll have a membership package for UTV Utah that will include a membership to the 10,000 plus project on Blue Ribbon Coalition because I think with what you guys are doing, obviously um, UTV Utah can do so much, Blue Ribbon can do so much, but when we work, work together, we're able to accomplish a lot and we all have the same goals and I, and I would challenge anybody i mean when we're talking about the henry mountains and we're talking about the ponce Scott, we're talking about the book cliffs we're not just talking about people that drive machines you know and we're talking about people that like to camp we're talking about yeah. people that like to hunt i mean those are like two three of the top hunting places in in the state book cliffs ponce and the henry mountains um this affects way more than just people that drive machines. Uh, and so I would, I would encourage anybody, whether you're a, a sportsman, a camper, I mean, whatever your form of recreation is, if it's outside, closing of these roads and trails will, will affect you in one way or another. And so yeah. for us, I, I, I think we'll create a membership package on utvutah.com that will include a membership to the 10,000 uh, plus 
project that Blue Ribbon is doing. That's our commitment to you guys. Obviously, you you know we're all in. We just we sent you a check this yeah. week for for Moab. We're we're, well, I know. we're committed. We, we love your support, and we want to find ways to just make it easy for the members who believe in this yes. to be a part of all of it. Yes, because I don't. It's dumb to say, well, I don't need to be a member of Blue Ribbon because I'm a member of UTV Utah. Or if you're in California, because I'm a member of California. It's like. We all have different specialties and different, right. and it, and so if you find a group that's fighting for the thing you care about, we really do need your support. Um, a lot of times in these legal challenges, the first paragraph I write is, "We're Blue Ribbon Coalition. This is who we are, and this is how big we are." Yep. And I want that number to always be big and getting bigger. It carries weight, and I and I and I know how big this industry is. I know how big this lifestyle is. I know how big this culture is. It doesn't always act as big as it is. Yeah. And we can be one of the groups that does act that big, but but we can only act that way if it's really there. Yes, we need to have the back. And and so and I and I know slowly and surely that's building and building every day. Um, Utah is one of our biggest membership states and so we and we do a lot of work in Utah because of that. Um, and there will be some other things we're announcing soon. Uh, we we are busy in Utah. You met you you brought up the camping just last night. I was up until probably 11 11:30, writing a comment because they're doing dispersed camping plans in the Moab area, and they're wanting to take areas that are open dispersed camping where you can basically camp wherever you find a spot, and they want to limit it to wherever they've decided you're allowed to camp. So there'll be instead of open free for all, you can camp where you want as long as you leave no trace. You do it responsibly. Now they want to do it to designated sites only, which means you could go out with the intention to camp somewhere, find out that the few designated sites they've opened are closed. You won't learn that until you've gone clear into the backcountry to check every available site yeah. to learn that they're all closed. And now you're stuck in the backcountry with nowhere to camp. And that's the situation they're going to put people in. And so we pushed back on that. We told them they need to come up with a better alternative that analyzes keeping those areas more open to camping users. We're getting involved in the camping issues everywhere because most people who uh, use UTVs are also people who enjoy dispersed camping. Uh, you brought up the hunting, yeah. and one of the things they put in place in this Moab plan, it was kind of, we caught it towards the end, towards the last minute. They were, they're gonna require, if you're dispersed camping in the backcountry, the reason you go out there is to get away from everybody. Yep. They're going to require if you have a dog to have your dog on a leash the whole time while you're dispersed camping. And that kind of blows my mind. Like, I understand the need to, like, leash a dog if you're in a wilderness area or if you're hiking on a popular trail or if you're in a, in a developed campground of yep. hundreds of other people. But out in the middle of nowhere, I mean, we can't just let our dogs be dogs. Yeah, that's interesting to think that the reason we go out there is 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 to let our dogs our, our kids like run around the the area and and have fun and the fact that that they see a problem with that i just there's so many red flags going off in my brain one is uh what if they decided that that camp spot that you and your can your you and your family have been camping for for generations doesn't meet their meet their approved list and, and you're camped there now you're going to be fined i mean yeah or you or yeah. you it'll just be marked as closed and so you've just got cut off from something that's kind of a tradition and yeah. something that's deeply meaningful to you and your family the flip side of that is let's say that you are really committed 
to the leave no trace yeah. ethic and a lot of people are absolutely in our user group absolutely and you invest in all of the great products that are getting developed so that it is possible to go and have a really deep backcountry experience where you're gone for days off the grid and you're using the right equipment to responsibly use fire you're responsibly um, managing human waste problem like yep. all of those things that are, are the impacts they're concerned about and you camp somewhere and you don't leave a firing, you don't leave yeah. a trace. There's no evidence that you've ever been there unless you're like some like forensic crime yeah. investigator or yeah. something. You're the person who's getting hurt the most from this planet. It's true. You were responsible, you left no trace. They're gonna go and say, Well, there's already a firing there, that site's already ruined, yeah. let's make that site a site. You're so right. they're rewarding the people who've camped irresponsibly. Yeah. They're they're turning what were the the developed sites into developed sites. And now they're restricting everybody who went and did it ethically and did it right. They're now saying you no longer have access to your experience. You have right. to camp in the dispersed campsite, hardened site that we're developing for you. And so that's, it just is, the incentives are backwards. The The problems are, pretend, are real. There are some impacts that need to be managed. I think these plans did require, like you can't gather firewood out you have to bring in your own and that's yep. becoming common and I think most people are acknowledging and adapting to that requirement um, they want you to have a toilet or some way of managing um, waste human waste and that's reasonable uh, so we supported some of the reasonable regulations yep. on this but the full blanket closure where we're restricting everything to a dispersed use or a designated site only I think is a bad move it's gonna hurt a lot of people that have otherwise built like you said really solid strong yep. traditions of having these backcountry experiences on our public land and the, the, the problem i see and i know anybody watching it is it's ringing in their head too is that we've seen more and more of our favorite areas go to a reservation type system yep fee-based reservation systems and we mentioned that in our comment that we have concerns that this sets the stage for that yeah and i'm okay with a reservation system there's some people that do like that kind of camping yeah. experience if it's in in addition to the primitive yeah. dispersed record so that if you're somebody who wants that certainty you want to reserve a site great we can develop there's so much land out there we're yeah. talking about areas that are hundreds of thousands of acres large we can put in a few developed campgrounds that have reservation sites for the people that have big rvs and kind of want that clarity of being able to book a trip in advance but have that be an additional experience yeah not a replacement experience for yeah, what absolutely is otherwise one of the best public land recreation experiences out there, which is just going and finding your own spot and making it work. I agree. I mean, that for me, that's one of the funnest parts of getting out is going and finding an area that nobody's going to park next to me, that I can let my my dog run without bothering anybody. I mean, that's that's what I that's what I enjoy, and I know anybody that buys one of these machines, that's why we enjoy. It. Sure, we do group rides where we get everybody together, we have fun, but. That, those are rare occasions the rest of the time people want to go out with their friends and family and get away from everybody and go have fun and the fact that there's groups out there that are are attacking that very existence i i we have we have a problem with uh, absolutely yeah, and it's serious i i want to add like we talked about the san rafael desert earlier when we first got the sua legal challenge on that the, the initial appeal I was like reading the appeal it has a lot of the boilerplate stuff up front of why SUA exists, why they have standing and who they are and yep. what they're there for. And, 
And then it gets into the heart of the argument of why the BLM made a mistake here. And I'm like, okay, here it is. The, the, the evil ATVs are out there tearing up the desert. And that's not what they said. Interesting. It was the, the dispersed camping in the San Rafael Desert is a problem. The BLM didn't look hard enough at dispersed camping. I'm like, wait a minute. They don't even mention UTVs or yeah. side-by-sides in their complaint. They're coming after vehicle-based dispersed camping. And that's every Subaru I see driving on the freeway with their Protect Wild Utah stickers who you see out in the desert. Yeah. They're enacting policies that are hurting their own members. And then, they, and then they're untruthful about it to their members or else they try and gloss it over. When we started pushing back on the dispersed camping plans in Moab, SUA had to do a release to clarify what was happening there and make it sound not as bad. And uh, one of their staff members put a comment on our Facebook page and then they had to delete it. Uh, or they did delete it. It's not there anymore. I don't know why they did. but uh, And they were saying that we were misrepresenting it because the BLM wasn't, wasn't closing the area. They were just moving it to... A, a designated only which is re- and I was like that's closing most of the area yeah that is that means there's infinite number of recreation experiences that are now no longer available and you only get to experience the SUA approved yes. recreation experience and so it is a restriction it might not be a gate on a road saying you can't come here anymore but it is a net reduction in your ability to go enjoy and recreate and responsibly use your public lands yep. and so it's there's a lot of back and forth on this if you are a camping user you need to be with us if you're a side-by-side user you need to be with us if you're a dirt bike user hunter. you need to be yeah. with us if you're a hunter this is going to impact you if you're like the book cliffs is going to be huge it is. Uh, like when i was analyzing we commented on that and it was they want to close a huge i know that the lawyers from the blm pulled in the county road people in Uinta County said we're going to close roads really? in the book cliffs, and and so you've got to be with us. Um, we'll we update you the best we can. A lot of times this information gets really in the weeds, and sometimes I'm literally out there in the weeds, ground truth. Yeah, that's true. He's, uh, <laughs> Ben's called me and says I'm out here walking, walking a road. He says it's. This it's a road, a clear, distinct road, but they they closed it saying nobody used it. But you can see yeah. a road. And my point is, Ben is actually out in the weeds. We're doing what we have to do to win these arguments and uh, take them all the way to court. Whatever we have to do to keep these areas open for you, and we need the financial support. We need the just the moral authority of saying we represent this big number of people. Uh, we've tried to keep the barrier of entry low, uh, five bucks a month. I don't care what's happening in the economy. I don't care if you can afford a machine, you can afford five bucks a month. And if everybody who is invested in this lifestyle did that, uh, we would be formidable. Yeah, right now that's less than a gallon of gas. And so let's, (laughs) you know, it is. Uh, And so let's at least be as big as we are. And we're, I'm doing everything I can to act that big. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that our arguments and our, work is at a professional level that is that justifies being that big um but i want more users we know there's hundreds of thousands of registered users in utah i can say we don't have hundreds of thousands of members in utah yet yeah yeah i could say yet yes yeah i could say with certainty that i go out every weekend riding and i would bet one out of 50 people i see on the trail are familiar with with some of the groups, whether it's Blue Ribbon Coalition or UTV Utah, that means that a very small portion of 
people that own machines are actually paying attention and, and involved at some capacity. And that is our, our goal. And I'll tell you guys out there, what, whatever social media this is on, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, if you've got a friend that hunts, camps, fishes, does any of those above and is not following Blue, Blue Ribbon Coalition or UTV Utah, you need to let them know about yeah, it. Yeah, and that's free. It, and it hurts us. It actually does. Like on TikTok and Instagram, you actually have to have like 10,000 followers or something to post a link. Well, guess what my most valuable information is? Me letting you know that I need your help commenting yep. on a plan and going into these areas and looking at these rows. And I can't share that link with you because the platforms don't let me Doesn't unless let I have 10,000 followers. And so all I need is for you guys to go follow our page yep. and it's free. And we'll just put useful content out there for you. Like that's easy and I, I need that help. I really do. It's true. And a, a lot of people have told us before, well, I, you know, I, right now I don't have the, the, the money. It's, it's free to like a post. It's free to follow a page. It's free to comment on the post that, that you yes. do post. So I'm to be, to, yeah. to use, to, to, to create social peer pressure yes. and make it go viral. You can do that for free and we need your help with that. We need it. That's, that's the single, one of the single biggest things you can do is invite invite friends to, to to like the pages follow the pages and then when we ask for your input to actually click on an email comment all of that's free like some of the biggest things you can do are free and then the next biggest things are contribute because as you know and as you said a lot of this stuff does cost money when you're when you're filing lawsuits filing lawsuits when you're filing complaints when you're fighting other lawsuits when you're fighting other complaints None of that stuff is free, unfortunately, and that money has to come from somewhere. And I know our, our principles at UTV Utah is if you can afford, you will donate. If you can't, don't, but click on the link and follow and, and do everything else that, that's free. And, and that makes it a little bit easier on on the groups. But like I said, if you, if you can contribute in any way, we need it. Yeah, and, I, and the one last thing I'll add to that is um, if you wanna do more, as like a volunteer, if you want to get more involved in some of this um, field work and the, the on the ground stuff, contact us. Um, I'm happy. I've worked with people that have they just reach out to me and say, yep. "Is there more I can do? I, I can't. I've donated what I can, but I just I'm already going out in areas. What can I do to help?" And I've never turned anybody down that's offered volunteer help. Yep. And our volunteer help is a little different than like Tread Lightly or some of these other groups where you might go out and actually like maintain a trail or build a fence or something. And that's great. We, we love the groups that are doing that. Um, but I do need help. Yeah. Uh, I could keep a lot of people busy if they wanted to just offer their time and if, and learn more about how we do what we do, uh, drafting the comments, researching the plans. It, it takes a special kind of person to want to read through like bureaucratic paperwork. So yep. if you don't want to do that, that's what we're here for. But if that, if you do like that, if you used to work for a government agency, if you have some knowledge that might be useful to bring to the table, call us. Yeah. Uh, we might find a, I, I, I can probably find somewhere to use you. And an, an, another thing I know you've asked me before is, is Bud, these are areas that Sua is saying are not, are not traveled. Um, a lot of times you can help just by taking your family out and going riding and, and document that you're riding these trails, right? I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a big part of where some of this comes into play is taking your machine on the trail, videoing it, keeping a GPS file of that. I mean, it shows that it's actually being being used and that is helpful. Yeah, and if you see something like a lot of times you'll see like a trail's closed. There's could be wood dragged across it or boulders or something like that. 
Red flag. Yeah. Ask the question, should that be closed? Because right. it's not unheard of that the activists go out there and illegally block trails, which is against the law in the state of Utah. Um, if we know where those are, I can't find every one of those in the state, yeah. but if people were feeding that back to me, we could then turn around to the BLM and say, hey, is this authorized? Yeah. And then they have to go reopen it. And so there, and we have seen cases where things did get permanently closed that were open because they got blocked and then the trail reclaimed and then suicide, oh, that trail's not there anymore. Yeah. And so those are all things to be on the lookout for. You're out there exploring. Uh, if you find that kind of that kind of activity going on, don't go right on that trail. Take yep. pictures of it, take a GPS coordinate, and then let's find out the truth. Good idea. Um, and so there's an infinite number of ways you can be part of this. Hopefully a lot of it's fun. Hopefully a lot of it is an addition to, I, I know a lot of things, a lot of times I'll say it's hard because for these wilderness groups, their movement is kind of like a church for them. Yeah. For us, it's like an escape from life and from politics and from yep. work and from all these things. And so to go out riding for the weekend and then to discover that this thing that was your escape from politics is now really political. Yeah. And you have to politicize this thing that is your recreation and your escape. Uh, I wish that wasn't the case. Yeah. I didn't create the system to be this way, but it is. And so I'm here to help you fight it. And it is unfortunate, but it's also true that... It's not just a an escape that you get to escape from this stuff because eventually you'll find out that it's gone. Yeah, and we can't we can't continue to just go out and, and, and have fun and not think about the fact that somebody wants to take it away from us. Yeah, and so to get either, like we have a lot of good people on our team. Uh, we're here to kind of keep it at the highest level possible, being professional, getting it done the right way, and fighting the whole distance on these things so that you can just go and enjoy it. But we do need whatever support you're willing to give. So cool. I think we've covered enough. Yeah. Unless you have any more. I don't man. Questions. I appreciate your support. Appreciate your, everything you guys are doing and we're, we're happy to be here and do anything we can. All right. Thanks bud. Thank you. See you. Awesome.